Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think she was so dysregulated so much of the time and in so much pain that it just it felt unsafe to be around her and she would scream and yell a lot. And so I think that my nervous system just felt really uncomfortable around her and I really took on the belief that I was dumb but what was really happening is that I was dysregulated around her and my prefrontal cortex would just shut down around her and I couldn't think straight because I went into fight and flight and I I didn't realize this I actually thought that I was stupid (laughs) and I'm, I'm not stupid I found out later on that I'm actually we're all quite smart actually once you once you shift some blocks. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me. I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls. And the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives. And that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you. What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are. Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story, what happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome back. On my blog this week, I'm sharing seven simple tips to have a deeper connection with your partner. Relationships need our time and energy. So please click the link in the show notes for direct access to my blog post. Oh my gosh, my guest this week is just incredible. She is inspirational. Melissa Hyman grew up with the weight of generational trauma hanging over her. Her mother was so unloved. Her father had been through some very deep traumatic experiences 
and this tiny soul turns up into the world and steps straight into all of it. At some point, her parents divorced and a stepmother appeared on the scene and that was also highly traumatic and nobody was really paying any attention to what was going on with Melissa and she started hanging out with the kids who were doing drugs and barely going to school. She says taking drugs was the only way she could feel okay and that's it. That's how drug addiction starts. It's replacing love with a substance that feels like love. Melissa went on to create a really incredible life on the surface, but underneath she was lost. She finally got to the point where she reached out for help and in that process she realized this is what I'm meant to do. Melissa's first thoughts were about helping others and that in itself is remarkable. But Melissa then went on to create an entire healing center and an entire healing modality called Root Cause Therapy. And she has helped so many people to heal their trauma and to find their way back to themselves. Please join me now for Melissa's story. Melissa Hyman, welcome to the podcast. You are the co-founder and director of the Centre for Healing, an online space where you are showcasing Root Cause Therapy, a powerful method for healing trauma and PTSD that addresses the underlying causes of addiction and mental health issues. You are also the author of The Natural High, a book that shares your personal journey of overcoming addiction and finding your purpose. Nobody becomes an addict without a story of trauma. Let's go back to the beginning. And you grew up with a mother who had come from Sri Lanka and married your dad at a very young age. Can you tell us a little bit about the story of your parents? My mum came from Sri Lanka. She was in a boarding school from when she was four. So already there's some trauma happening. She was just kind of left there. And then my father, his second wife and daughter passed away in a car accident. He was waiting for them at his holiday house. And so they both passed away and so he was like alone but a family friend knew of my mum and thought it would be a good idea to match them up. And my dad being 50 and my mum being 20, dad just fell in love with her and her beauty, (laughs) of course. And mum just kind of did what she thought she was meant to do. So they got together and then they had me after about a year And yeah, it was a real culture shock for my mum because obviously she's been in Sri Lanka and then she was living with her auntie in Perth and she wasn't exposed to much in here. My dad was a bit of a party animal. He had high functioning anxiety. I'm sure he didn't realise that, but he would drink a lot on the weekends. Very friendly, very lovely man, very loving man. But yeah, and he would just work really hard and then party on the weekends on on his houseboat and things like that. And mum had me and she would be kind of holding me like, what is going on? And so that real culture difference and also just her just not dealing with her trauma as well. At about two and when I was about two and a half, she decided to leave him. And yeah, so my dad got her a house and kind of did all the right thing. And they were very amicable. I, I stayed with my dad every weekend and every school holidays. And so that that was fine in that sense. But my mum was obviously quite young and emotionally immature. Looking back and since doing a lot of trauma work, I realised she didn't quite look after me very well. It was kind of in the 80s, you're just fed and 
sent off and there's no like how are you feeling or any kind of like emotional support and then my dad remarried with a lady who I feel like maybe he settled a little bit but I I guess she was a little bit of a an evil stepmom for lack of a better term so there was a lot of animosity from her towards me and yeah I never felt um, safe in either home so Mm. being shuffled from home to home I wasn't safe and then to add on to that in primary school I know you can't probably see with the lighting I know you got listeners can't see me but I'm a little bit tanned and I was at a school where everyone was very light colored and amongst other things I yeah I didn't have any friends I was basically a learner and I got bullied all through primary school and so to not be able to go home and share what's happening or to go to my dad's and he's asking me but I'm scared of him because of my pre-developmental trauma just not my mum not feeling safe yeah I I had no like outlet or safe person to kind of work through those things with so it, I all it all kind of went inside and I locked it all in and I always was masking and so that was basically my upbringing and I mm-hmm. look back now and I'm like you poor little thing and I've obviously done a lot of inner child work and a lot of things have come up but also it's 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 a part of my story so then my mum ended up get, having a few partners and one of them, when I became a teenager, he turned out to be an alcoholic with anxiety and depression and there was domestic violence involved. And then my little baby brother and sister obviously would witness that. And then my little brother got leukemia at two and a half and then I had to help my mum to leave him. And it's just a really sad yeah. story. Yeah, it's a lot. And so again, I had to like, almost be like the second mom and the parent and I had like so much pressure to help my mom and again she didn't know how to emotionally handle anything and yeah it was like I had to become really hyper independent really young and I did end up kind of just starting to take drugs and partying because I didn't know how else to feel okay I I couldn't regulate my emotions at all so middle to late teens I was just a bit of a mess and just hanging around with the wrong people and then getting kicked out of school and all of these (laughs) outcomes because I was just and I realize now looking back and since I've had a rehab center I realized that I was just trying to feel okay and Mm. I didn't know how to feel okay naturally on my own I didn't have those supportive connections early on in life and a way to to deal with anything that was my only way to kind of deal with how I was feeling and so yeah I kind of like started getting into personal development in my early 20s my first entry into it was The Secret you guys are probably aware of The Secret by Rhonda Byrne and I was like yes think positive blah 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 and I manifested a lot I manifested a sports car I manifested buying a house and I was 21 that that was linked to my hyper and also my need for validation of course so it was all this flashy stuff on the outside I was miserable on the inside and still using drugs and things and alcohol and cigarettes and shopping addiction as well And yeah, because I was trying to be positive all the time, I wasn't connected to my body at all. I was still playing out old traumas. I sabotaged everything, every relationship, even lost the house, like over and over and over. And I'm like, this positive thing is not working. So I just like let it go. And I forgot about it for a few years and went on in my career that I thought I was meant to do. 
And then I, yeah, I got to this stage where I was back with my semi-abusive ex and I started cheating on him with someone else because I wasn't getting my emotional needs met. And I left him and then the other guy decided he didn't want to be with me. So I just remember being in this little beach apartment on my own, looking out at the ocean going, I'm not okay. And I feel like I'm a part of creating these issues in my life. Like it was a real moment where I was like, I think I need some help. (laughs) I had tried counseling through school, but they just sat there and listened. Uh, There is a lot of benefit to that. I'm not bagging that, but there was no one asked me what was happening at home. There was Mm. all this abuse happening at home. There was all these addictions happening and no one ever asked me if I played up, I would just get in trouble. So That was a part of me when I went to go get help and when I experienced some transformational therapies, I had an awakening and I was like, this, a lightning bolt hit me. I'm like, this is what I'm meant to be doing. And I went and did a training. So initially in NLP and in hypnotherapy, I still had some addictions, but I was like, I became aware of my subconscious. I became aware of my part in creating my life and also how my past has affected me and why I was being the way I was being and feeling the way that I was feeling. So that was huge. Yeah. Wow. That's a story, isn't it? So let, let me just go back. So it was interesting to me that you said right at the beginning that your mum was put into boarding school as a four-year-old and then your dad had had this terrible trauma where he'd lost his first wife is that who he lost so he was born in germany mm-hmm. uh, hence my surname hyman and he experienced world war ii he w- he was an, uh, the eldest of i think four and he had to beg for food with his dad to mm. feed the family and he ended up leaving home at 14 just because he felt so resentful and he didn't feel like he was her so he left home and he came on one of the ships that came over from europe to Australia. So he's passed away now. He's quite old. He was 85 when he passed away two and a half years ago now. Yeah. So, but he's, and yeah, he went through that trauma of, of losing people, loved ones. So it's generational trauma and your parents are coming to this marriage already highly traumatized themselves. And then they have you and it's just passed down, isn't it? You start off life already on that on that path of being surrounded by people who just don't know how to support you, who are going through so much themselves. And so when your parents divorced, I mean, a a divorce is traumatic for children. It's so common now, but it is traumatic to be a child of divorce. What sort of beliefs do you think you were taking on at that time about yourself from that divorce situation? Yeah, it's actually huge. Like it all, it causes such a split in us, in our personality, in our soul, in our in our subconscious. I have had some root cause therapy sessions on it actually, and it took me back to and it's type of regression therapy. And some things that happened was um, a link to my shopping addiction. So they were talking about it, even though I was only two and a half. I understood what was going on, and I was holding on to my toys. And I just thought, this is all that I have now. It's just things. And I was just remember holding them. That was one thing. Another thing that came up was because of the family dynamic, it was like I almost felt like I had to step up as my mum's partner in a sense, in like a masculine sense. 
And so I always felt like, and I'm still working through it now, I'm not feeling responsible to support her and, and that I have to be like the male role in, in the family with my half brother and sister. There's so many, yeah, there's so much. And then also just going from home to home. I find it really difficult to live in one house now. My son's already moved. I've got a four-year-old now. We've already moved about 12 times since he was born, poor thing. I just don't feel comfortable or safe wherever I am. Again, it's another thing that I'm working on. But yeah, a lot. that's just the tip of the iceberg of what it can cause. Not to say that you should stay together with someone abusive. That is not the message that I'm trying to say because either way our kids are going to get traumatised. We're just doing the best that, that we can with what we know. Yeah, absolutely. And isn't it interesting when you just even that shopping addiction, like where that comes from, It's I think it's just not something that people are really that aware of. We know that somebody might be addicted to shopping but we often don't even look back to see what's the root cause of that. So when your father remarried, you mentioned that you got the evil stepmother. Can you tell us about that relationship? Like how much did that affect you? Because so many kids do end up with somebody in their life that is just really difficult to get any kind of connection with, who's abusive, who is all the things. Yes. And They don't set out to be abusive, I don't believe. I think she had a lot of trauma growing Mm -hmm. up and I came to discover later on that she had a very, her mum passed away when she was young and she had an abusive stepmom. So I think she was unconsciously passing down that trauma to me and she didn't even realise. And and another thing that can happen in these dynamics is my dad is like, my daughter is my number one. And so she always felt like number two. And so I'm sure that would have been really difficult for her. And she had a lot of resentment towards me and like I couldn't do anything wrong. And I was the apple of his eye. And he was like, not obsessed with me. He was very like loving towards me. I think she was so dysregulated so much of the time and in so much pain that it just felt unsafe to be around her and she would scream and yell a lot. And so I think that my nervous system just felt really uncomfortable around her. And I really took on the belief that I was dumb. But what was really happening is that I was dysregulated around her and my prefrontal cortex would just shut down around her and I couldn't think straight because I went into fight and flight and I I didn't realise this. I actually thought that I was stupid (laughs) and I'm, I'm not stupid. I found out later on that I'm actually, we're all quite smart actually once you once you shift some blocks but yeah so at the moment like my dad has passed he's still alive and he would tell me like be nice to her I love her blah blah blah. I'm like I've always been super nice to her but she's always backstabbed and there were stepsisters involved and all of this stuff and when my father passed away it's almost like and I do feel like crying a little bit now but it's almost like to my inner child like you don't need to put up with this anymore and I just out of like like I was my own daughter I was like I'm going to protect you now and so I didn't feel that obligation anymore so not to say I won't speak to her again I know she's just a human and she'll be hurting but just for my healing I made the decision to create space so I could heal that wound yeah (laughs) yeah and it's so raw isn't it that wound and it doesn't matter how much healing we do it's just the memory of that it's so hard because 
we're just little kids and we're yeah. just we just want support and then when the when the adults around us are just not able to do that for us it's such a betrayal it's such it a is. betrayal and i love the way that you framed all of that you're not just dumping on her and saying she was just a terrible person you're saying she was very dysregulated she had a lot of trauma herself and it's coming back to that level of understanding isn't it because we don't understand that when we're kids we just know that we're getting attacked and I love your description of of how you were not stupid you were in fight flight all the time and that's really something that I haven't heard a lot about Mm -hmm. I know that we are in fight flight in those situations but I hadn't really thought about it making us unable to think or make so much sense because when you're in freeze mode you're not able to just even think straight so thank you for for sharing that with us so you've got your 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 beautiful father and this this very difficult stepmother and then you've got your mother who you said she just wasn't able to really give you anything emotionally and that's really hard isn't it because there's just no way of connecting in with your own emotions and feelings is that is that what happened from that relationship with your mum? Yeah, it was really like there wasn't much nurturing and how are you and cuddles and it was just that really basic just being fed and sent off to school. And, again, she was just doing her best. She had no one to look after her. Like she was in boarding school, you don't get looked after properly. She goes, even when I was sick, no one would even look after me and so I totally understand but what I said to her was that I understand why she's the way she is but I am allowed to be upset and I am allowed to have time to process. It's funny because, well it's not funny but me and mum have been best friends and super close almost like sisters and that's an outcome of um, being hyper independent and kind of being a partner rather than a mother-daughter relationship and it's like we were super close, didn't have a fight for like eight, nine years. And then randomly this year, I just got really angry at her about something. And then, yeah, I did a root cause therapy session and just some stuff came up with her. I was like just sitting by myself in the lounge room and I was a really easy, quiet baby. But I think, I don't know if I was shut down. That's why I was so easy and quiet. But I just have a memory of her just leaving me in the lounge room with no toys or anything and just going off and doing stuff. And when that memory came up, I was so upset with her. I said, mum's like saying to my siblings, I feel like Melissa hates me. I'm like, at the moment, I actually do. Like, I'm really angry at you. And I do need a little bit of time to process. Now we're talking again and it's fine. But I I said to her, I'm allowed to feel like a victim because I, I'm allowed to feel like how I'm feeling while I'm I'm processing this, even though I understand why that happened. I I also I'm allowed to be angry about it. So yeah, yeah that's been a whole thing that came up. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> and how did she deal with that? Was she accepting of what you needed to do? Yeah. So actually when I was creating root cause therapy, she was one of my main guinea pigs. So I got to firsthand kind of experience her childhood trauma as I took her through her childhood trauma which was such a gift and she actually had her own kind of awakening so we can talk about all this healing stuff she's so open to it at the same time just like all of us she's a work in progress so she couldn't 
quite hold the space to have full conversations around it and she started to feel quite ashamed and depressed about it so I let I I'm just kind of like that's okay it's kind of like when you have an abuser and you want them to say sorry to you rather than like and that's not always helpful and they might not ever do that so resolving it internally or resolving it with someone that you feel safe with whether that's a friend or a therapist or counselor where you can actually work through it with someone that is not the person that's actually going to be a a better way for our nervous system resolve because we resolve it in a safe space with when we have relational trauma growing up we need to undo it in relationships and and I'm so lucky that my partner is like the most patient present amazing man who is actually a therapist now as well and he's created his own therapy so if we've got any time around the kids and when I say kid there's a kid and a dog we ain't got any time around them he'll he's more than happy to hear me out but I have my own root cause therapist as well just to work it out within myself like within between my inner parent and my inner child and my soul but to also just to get it out as well and just talk it through. Oh, how amazing that you're able to sit with your mum and go through her trauma. I mean, that brings a whole other level of understanding, doesn't it? Yeah. But going back, you mentioned that your mum married somebody who was alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah. So that was must have been quite a tumultuous time in your life to be yeah. around this person. Definitely. And I was at that precious age of like I think 9, 10, 11, 12 going on to those kind of ages and yeah to experience that because my dad wasn't like that it was really scary for me I felt a lot of anger but again had no one to talk to about it and then she had some babies with him and I just didn't understand now that I know that her dad was like that and we actually did a healing on it she goes oh I actually like recreated that antagonized him allowed him in saw all the red flags like just was recreating my childhood to try and resolve it she gets that now but at the time obviously she didn't get it and I didn't get it and again it just made me feel very unsafe at home he did things like go through my diary and tell my mom he would compare me to my cousins and say why doesn't she look like them I remember doing an artwork and he would be like what a waste of paint And those little comments, when you're that young, you're so impressionable, absolutely affected me later in life. Luckily, I was able to heal them and shift them and overcome, I guess, what that created with those little comments. But me watching that passed down the generational trauma to me. And so I got really attracted to someone similar that was also a narcissist, abusive and um, not alcoholic, but other drugs. I was so, I I had no conscious awareness of what I was doing, but I was so drawn to this person and I didn't know why. It was that real like intense. And now I know that that's bad when it's like a really intense attraction. That's usually a trauma bond or you wanting to recreate something from childhood to resolve it. Like if this person stops and says sorry and becomes nice and that's going to resolve what happened to me in childhood. And so, yeah, that, that was very hard. And then obviously I'm looking back now, having a child and also helping thousands of people heal their childhood trauma. And I'm like, what my little brother and sister went through was absolutely horrendous. Like as babies, like I just, 
and and I've got to be careful because I want to look after them because of my childhood trauma. And I, but I also like they're amazing. Like they're good. And Mum got them away from him and everything. And they're a little bit resentful, but I told them it was to keep you safe. But yeah, it was very impactful and. It's still on my list to work through some of it. It's on my healing list <laughs> to yeah. work through some of that, yeah. Absolutely. And so you just have two homes here where nothing is safe. Yeah. Was there anywhere that you felt safe? Was there anybody that you were able to talk to? Did you ever talk about what was going on in your home? No. 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 Even when I went to the counsellor, like no one, they didn't even ask me what was going on at home. I literally, I think I remember writing some rap songs with one of my friends who we were just both really naughty and we just like, we. I would talk about it with her and I got into the wrong groups just because I felt safe with them because I had something in common. I felt better when I took the drugs. So, I'm, so it was just like a win-win for me. My parents gave me a lot of freedom because they thought I was so easygoing. So I was getting up to stuff that I shouldn't be from 14. So yeah, I've come a long way. <laughs> yeah, so that's interesting, isn't it? There's nowhere safe, but you do find a sense of safety amongst other kids who are probably coming from similar homes. You're all doing things together and that turns into doing drugs and yeah. and other behaviours. So how did that impact you over the next few years of, of teens? Did you become really drug addicted? I wouldn't say I was that bad. I was having heroin with my ex. I was having, and not every day, I was more of a weekend girl. I was really like good at masking and pretending everything was okay, as you can probably tell by my story. So on the outside, I had a full-time job. I had a sports car, always had a nice house and always looked quite fit and I'd go to the gym when it was just me and my friends or just me, I was like smoking cigarettes, drinking, smoking weed and just doing whatever kind of drugs that I could get around me trying to pretend like my life was okay and to put on a show basically. And dad would always be like, how's it all going? You saved money, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like, cause I'm like the apple of his life. So I had to keep up appearances. So yeah, it, it, it kept bleeding and bleeding until I really started getting into this yeah. So what was the rock bottom moment when you mentioned before? Was it mm. sitting in that beach house looking out yeah. and just deciding something needs to change? Yeah. So I was in my little one bedroom apartment. I had had to sell the second house that I bought with my ex as I left him for this other guy because I was so insecure and just looking for validation and safety. And I was sitting in this little one bedroom apartment and yeah, this guy that I moved out for and sold my house, he just goes, I can't do this. And I'm like, right, like pretty much on the day that I was moving out. So yeah, I just completely fell into a heap. I was just drinking so much like red wine and smoking and just trying to numb myself and it just wasn't working. And I just thought, there's something wrong here. Like there's, how have I created all this? Why do I keep recreating this? It's the first time that I stopped just blaming everyone else around me and thinking that life just throws you around and that people just decide for you. 
and I was just being a real victim to life. It was the first moment where I was like that meme, like maybe I'm the problem. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so that that was that was the moment where I was just com- I was a complete mess and I and I took a little bit of responsibility for it and I thought, "Oh, I know someone that does like life coaching or something. Maybe I can ask them for advice," which was like really interesting because it, I ended up doing the childhood trauma healing and that was like completely different that I thought you don't need to ask people advice you do need to start healing yourself so it's your rock bottom and I'm like so grateful for it basically that was my and it doesn't sound like a normal rock bottom <laughs> but yeah it was for me many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Yeah. So you started working with somebody? Yeah. Was that your first step? Yes. So a mutual friend, a friend had come over and I, and I kind of told him what I was going through. And then he said, you should reach out to this other guy who's a mutual friend. He started doing life coaching or something. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll message him, see if I can book a session, get some advice. Booked a session and went in there and just walked out and it's like my eyes had been cleaned, like the lenses had been cleared and literally the colours of everything was brighter. Like I can't even explain to you how my whole, like literally reality looked brighter, green was greener, just everything was glowing. But it was really in that session was about, okay, I don't know if you know about NLP, but it was really like, okay, there's cause and effect and you're actually at the cause of your life. But deeper than that, these things that happen early in your life can actually cause you to have these patterns, these addictions and behaviours and these feelings that you don't know how to deal with these suppressed emotions. But like that moment that I realised that the, my past does affect me. I remember trying to be so positive and be like, today is a new day and my past doesn't affect me at all. And I really believed that. And I was the biggest atheist scientific person you'd ever meet. And after that day, I was like, whoa, <laughs> I'm so spiritual and awakened now and everything's in a flow. And I literally like, he was running a course. So I signed up for that and I went and did the course. And halfway through the course, I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. People get in their own way. Like, it was like a lightning bolt hit me to my core. Like I literally felt it. And I'm like, this is my purpose. And then I finished the course, did a few posts on Facebook, got a few clients, walked into my office where I was working in a sales job, put my notice down for two weeks. I said, I'm quitting because I just thought, yeah, I've got a business now. It's going great. <laughs> Luckily, I had no children then and no like big responsibilities. And I just got a little bit of money from selling a house. So I was able to support myself for a little bit. But that 
that was like such a huge moment and I still thank him to this day for awakening me but on that journey of discovering that and experiencing that what I was originally trained like NLP and things like that it still didn't tap into the emotions the somatic work in your body kind of like that book the body keeps the score it was still quite mental even though it helped so much and I'm so grateful I started going on a journey of doing more deep inner child somatic emotional and spiritual healing and that's kind of root cause therapy actually came out of that I found all these transformational therapies that I could put together and that's how it was born. Wow. <laughs> wow. And when you said that you came out of that first session and all the colors yeah. were brighter, I yes. think half of that was probably actually just telling your story, right? Because oh, yeah, it's like, I mean, obviously you got a lot of help in that session, but I think it's just like this weight, isn't it? I'm actually, I've actually told somebody being after so many years of keeping secrets. You, you obviously had a lot of addictions and sabotaging behaviors that you needed to, to break. So is that, is that what you did in that first section of healing with that, that coach? Is that what you were working on? I didn't do a lot of talking really. He, he was just teaching me in a new, like a different way that I didn't know of how to understand myself and my reality and how like in fact my past does affect my present and how I create my reality and it's a bit of a blur to be honest because it's about it'll be about nine years ago now (laughs) so I can't remember exactly what we did but yeah the healing part the actual going in and going to some root causes was the transformational part for me where I'm I'm like okay I I think this way or I keep having issues with partners and going to the root cause of that and going oh my gosh like that's it's not just random like I was actually creating or allowing that into my into my reality getting out of that victimhood mode even though of course we're victims at times but going forward in my life knowing that I'm dealing with everything that happened to me growing up but also there is hope because you can start to heal and a healer that I used to live with she said a beautiful statement and it was it's never too late to have a good childhood and that always stuck with me and still drives me to keep healing my inner child and and when my son triggers me of course on my inner child stuff it reminds me of that so yeah yeah I love that actually it's never too late to have a good childhood inner child healing is so important isn't it yeah and how how important has it been for you? It's really important, but as we were talking about it, the, the generational trauma healing is so important too. And for those of you that are a bit woo-woo, there's also past life trauma. But a few times I've actually gone into and healed the generational trauma myself. So, for example, I would go out with my partner and we'd go out to a restaurant and I'd have like really weird thoughts of I can't eat this, there's not enough food in the world. Or I go to the supermarket and I start going into freeze and I'm like, there's not enough food in the world and I'm like panicking. And and until someone tells you that it's weird, sometimes you don't realise it because that's just like how you always think. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, and then I realised and then I had a root cause therapy session done on me and it took me back to I was my grandma in Sri Lanka and she was holding a baby and she had two little kids around her and I could, you could, don't see it like the room, but you sense it, like you sense that you're, and I'm a woman, I'm at a sink and I'm 
I've got some food. And there was like a little bit of an older girl there and she only had a little bit of rice to feed all the kids. And she was just, I felt how my grandma felt. I felt absolutely stressed and devastated and just overwhelmed. And I was able to, because that lives in my body, my grandma's DNA and memories are in our body, just as our looks are in our DNA as well. So our traumas and memories. So I literally experienced what that was like for her. And then I shifted that. And then I spoke to my mom and I said, mom, I have this memory come up and I just want to validate it if it's true or not. And I said, this is who it was. This is the average ages of the baby and the the little, the toddlers. And then there was a little, there was an older girl. And my mom's like, oh my God, yeah, that was me. That was my two brothers and my cousin who would come and look after us because they lived in a village on a farm. And she said, at that time, my grandfather's business collapsed and they didn't have enough food to feed the kids. And she totally, and I had never heard it. No one had ever told me ever. And she totally validated that memory that I was able to process for my grandma and not pass on, not pass down. And also I can enjoy restaurants now and go to the supermarket without freaking out that there's not enough food. And there was a lot, I've done ones for my, on my dad's side. So your maternal, your paternal side, sometimes you can go back more generations. But when our grandparents have been through war or starvation, it it affects our behaviours in this life. So, yes, inner child healing is important, but sometimes the root cause is something different. So it's not the be all and end all Mm. of work. So where does that come from then? Where does that memory, if you don't know that, how does that come up? So it's still in our DNA. So biologically, there's markers in our DNA, they are passed down and they can get triggered at certain times. So just say someone has an irrational fear of the water, they've never had an accident in the water, but just say their parent has, but their parents never said anything, that is passed down. It's just like when we're all pretty much scared of snakes and spiders, it's because for the human race to survive, we had to automatically know what is dangerous and not dangerous what puts our body in fight and flight and that's allowed us to still survive and so good things get passed down like to help us survive but also traumas get passed down as well and so it's a definitely a real thing and that's why some people can have anxiety and depression they don't know why they're like I had a really good upbringing like everything's fine and then something like triggers them or watching the news triggers them and all of a sudden they completely collapse And it's not even, they're not even consciously aware of why their body is experiencing that. And it can be from generational trauma. There are studies, if anyone wants to look into studies, so there's a cherry blossom study where they had, I think it was mice or rats, and they sprayed it with cherry blossom while they electrocuted it. I know, I'm sorry, terrible. But what they did was with the those mice or rats babies, they actually never did that to them, but they sprayed the cherry blossom and the babies like had a reaction like they were getting electrocuted yes it's so weird I was on Instagram this morning and I saw that exact story oh my gosh there you go it was just came up and I was like and it was just going through the entire story and I was like oh my gosh that's incredible that's incredible yeah so it's epigenetics isn't it epigenetics yeah yeah it's epigenetics it's a real thing yeah because I had a an expert on epigenetics on this podcast and Mm. it's just fascinating isn't it it's fascinating 
it's fascinating how much stuff we have <laughs> to deal with That's... in our little lives. Like it's not just what happened to us because we had a shitty parent or whatever. Yeah. It's like so much, so much stuff. And so you have developed root cause therapy. Can you tell us more about it and, and yes. who's it, who's it suitable for? How does it work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as I said before, like I got introduced to these transformational therapies that, that weren't mainstream. And then I realized there was something missing and I kind of went out and I learned all different kinds of therapies. And it was to help myself as well because of my lived experience. But it was really like, I feel like I can improve this. Like, I feel like I went out of the training and I didn't know how to run a session. And I, and I didn't know, like, if someone couldn't connect with their emotions, I couldn't help them connect with it. It was, it was um, NLP created in the eighties. So I feel like it needed an update. So through my own exploration of myself and wanting to heal myself and my addictions, and then obviously wanting to help others at a really high level. I amalgamate about eight therapies. So there's hypnotherapy, there's timeline therapy, there's somatic work, there's breath work, there's the past life, then the generational healing, there's in the womb healing. We can get a lot of trauma from just being in the womb and whatever our mum is experiencing, we can experience that as well. But basically what I did was I was like, I created a way for someone to run a session. I really felt like with a lot of therapies, it's not very structured. And my background is like international business. That was my career, import exports, and it's all about paperwork. And so like, I need something to help me to run a really effective session where I have a structure because this work is really, it can be really open and like if any of you have done any kind of healing work or spiritual work it's kind of like it's not tangible it's like I think I feel better and I we worked on this and they just kind of take you where you're going whereas this is like a very like let's look at your whole life holistically let's look at all the traumas that you've experienced and like you said letting them actually express what maybe they haven't been able to tell people letting their body tell you if I say shame who or what comes up for you if I say anger who or what comes up for you and just really validating that and going it's okay that you feel like that asking them about all the areas of their life so there's a bit of a coaching a life coaching element to it just because I like to look at this work as personal development like I feel like a lot of us have trauma and it's not about there's something wrong with you you need to be fixed it's more like oh, these are the things that we that we can work on because you're already amazing and I can see your potential. It's that kind of energy. And, and just getting to know your client and even just writing down things that I think they might be interested in, like books, resources, making it a whole personal development journey. And then we look at limiting beliefs. So for those of you that don't know what limiting beliefs are, they're often created in trauma. So when something happens... And it could just be that we got ridiculed at school. It could just be that someone just said a comment to us. It doesn't have to be a major trauma. And traumas are are based on whatever that person's perception was at the time. So I don't even like to say big traumas and little traumas. It's just how that little person handled what happened and were they able to emotionally handle it with someone there or not to help them work through it. But it's really about in that moment, when we're really emotional and we and we don't have someone there to help us process it, we make really strong beliefs about ourselves and the world. And so if something happens where, say, I wanted to play with my mom and she told me to go away, in that moment, 
if I had really strong emotions about it, I might make the belief that I'm not good enough or I'm not lovable or I'm, I'm not valuable, right? And so they're limiting beliefs. So I have a whole set of core limiting beliefs that we can pick up from experiences that happen in our childhood that limit us and how well we look after ourselves in adulthood and our behaviors. So there's things like I am alone, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy of love. And we actually use some kinesiology muscle testing to ask the body rather than asking the mind because the trauma is stuck in the body, the energy is stuck in the body. It's like in that moment when it was created, the the emotions weren't fully released. They're, they're stuck in there with that information. And then we keep recreating it. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So we have the belief, for example, I am alone. What a lot of people do is they feel really alone. So they want someone around. So even if there's red flags, they'll still go with that person, but they still feel completely alone. They still have that feeling. They don't consciously know why. And then they'll probably sabotage the relationship unconsciously to fulfill that prophecy of like, see, I am always alone. See, I'm always left alone. Whereas that might've come from, we lost our parent at the shopping center and we thought they were never coming back in that moment as a child. It could just be from that. And then what we do is we project that into the future. Like I'm always going to be like that. And then we get anxiety. So we check all that and then we do the healing work. And so the healing work is getting someone just slightly under. So that just means they're fully conscious and awake and in control. But just to the the part of the mind, it's kind of like when you're half awake, half asleep, when you're waking up in the morning, it's that. And we're just asking your mind, what is the root cause of this limiting belief or what is the root cause of this trauma? We can go specifically to traumas, like if someone's aware that a sexual trauma that happened to them, because I had sexual trauma as well, and that was a huge one for me to heal from my addictions. We can ask someone, what is the root cause of this sexual trauma? But we tell people it may go back further. It may go back generationally, may go back in a past life. It may go back in the womb or when you were younger. We trust the body knows the actual root cause because what a lot of coaches and therapists do is just make an assumption. They're like, oh, yes, we will work on EMDR or whatever on that particular event, but it may not actually be the root cause. Something may have happened earlier that they're not consciously aware of. So asking their body and their mind what is the actual root cause allows us to not only heal the root cause, but every single time it's happened after that as well, any repeating patterns can get healed in that one session So we generally like to work on one, two or three things, not too much because it's quite deep work. What we're essentially doing is taking someone, asking their mind and it does, it just comes up. Sometimes I still get nervous. Is it going to come up after thousands of sessions? And we had a center with five staff working full time for like five years doing this therapy with people for mental health and addictions. And sometimes I'm still like, is something going to come up? And it always comes up and people get blown away. And then so I get them to go back in the event. And what we do is we actually somatically release the emotions. It's like when you have a circumstance where you're emotional and you do something or say something that you wish you didn't because you're emotional. Yeah, it's just like that. So we release the emotions so then they can come from more clarity and groundedness and safety, learn what they can from the event. So we gain wisdom out of these essentially bad things that have happened. And then we also get their inner parent to come in and their soul, their intuition to add anything that we can learn. And they come back to now. So it's that post-traumatic growth happens exponentially. Inner behaviors that that cause, they will get flashes of that as they, the healing is finishing. They will realize, oh, that is why I do that. That is why I have that addiction. 
sometimes addiction tech is a couple of root causes, but they get that conscious awareness. It's so empowering for our clients because they actually get to know themselves on such a deep level and why they do what they do, the level of forgiveness and release and and naturally the behaviors stop, which is why we had when we had the outpatient addiction clinic, we said to people like, you'll just stop naturally after eight, like around eight sessions. And some people do need top ups, we all do, but because they're like, do I need to stop using? I'm like, no, you don't. Because from my experience, just healing this stuff raised my vibration enough that I didn't need the drugs anymore to feel okay. You'll just naturally start to feel okay. And then another element is doing some future work. So taking people out into the future. So we had people that were addicted to heroin because that is releasing oxytocin, the love drug. They never felt love growing up. So when they have heroin, they get addicted to that because they're getting that feeling of love. Took them out into the future where they continued to do the work, they would feel it naturally. They felt love for the first time naturally in their own body. Their own body created it. They didn't have to use again. So the future healing is really good, especially for people with anxiety or people that want to know their purpose. So that's the once someone has done a lot of past healing, they've cleared a lot of limiting beliefs. They can then, it's like they're having their own clairvoyant. They can go have a little look into their future, get any advice that they need or relief. Wow. Oh my <laughs> gosh. That Oh my gosh. That just sounds incredible. And just thinking about people who are taking heroin because it it gives them that feeling of love and there's so little understanding for that sort of stuff isn't there it's like oh you're just a drug addict why why is that no. person a drug addict and coming back to find the reasons why because nobody wants to be a drug addict i mean that's not really a a choice that anybody's making because they think it's going to give them a great life but yeah. just because they just want to feel love I mean that yeah, just they're just self-medicating and they're just trying to feel mm. okay and my partner and I because of our addictions like people come into the clinic we just love them we hug them if, if they felt safe to do that they were VIP no matter what their addictions were we're just like it's it's gonna be okay like you're in the right place and and I'm not gonna judge you as a person you're just trying to cope just trying to feel okay Oh my gosh, it just sounds incredible what you're doing. Absolutely incredible. I've heard you mention the term trauma-informed manifesting, which I haven't heard before. Can you explain what that is? Yeah. So after I created Root Cause Therapy, I was really good at healing my own stuff from the past and we we're making a little bit of headway in our business and in our life. We were like healthy and everything was fine, but I still felt like something was missing. And I worked with a coach and she kind of reintroduced me to manifesting how I said early on, I kind of dismissed it because it ruined my life, trying to think positive all the time. Well, now I had all this experience with the healing work and being trauma informed. And so then when I learned manifesting, it was like a whole different lens that I was seeing manifesting where, oh, you can be positive and think about what you want, but you have to also consider your trauma and your nervous system and to consider that it needs to get on board. Otherwise, you're not going to take the actions on your inspirations. You're not going to you're not going to do what you need to do or you might even unconsciously energetically block it just because your body is like, no, I don't want to make more money because I don't want to work more because I burnt out in the past. So your body is always trying to protect you. And so it actually blocks us from having what we want in our lives because our, our body doesn't think it's safe for some reason. And again, we're not consciously always aware of like, of course, I want a great partner or of course, I want 
to lose weight or of course I want more money but why do I keep recreating not having that and so a part of us just doesn't feel safe to so it's more of a coaching method where we can go in and somatically release kind of blocks in relation to goals. So it's more a coaching future thing. So often my root cause therapy students will end up going into the trauma and form manifesting for that reason, because healing does improve your life and you get so much relief, but you've actually got to like now decide how you want your future to go because a lot of us do healing work and we're like a blank slate. And then we're just like, who am I? because of a lot of our personality is trauma responses and what am I meant to do? And we think we just got to keep doing healing work to try and feel better, but actually we do have to be creators in our lives. But at the same time, we all have some trauma going on and triggers and it does affect the goodness that we allow into our life. Even for me working so hard for so many years when I've been able to lay back and just relax, my body is freaking out. It's like, no, you need to be working hard to survive. Like, and it's rewiring and going, it's safe to be peaceful. It's safe to not have drama in your life. It's safe to have money and not have to stress all the time. So I'm always like rewiring my nervous system to let the good stuff in. So that's kind of like what I teach people and then they can certify themselves and help others with it as well. If that's something that they're interested in. Oh, you're incredible. I think anybody that gets to come and work with you is very lucky. (laughs) Where can people find you? Yeah. So if you go to the centerforhealing.com forward slash free dash courses, we have a whole bunch of free courses and we also have a free certification. So it's to become trauma informed. So we decided to make the certification free just to create a positive dent in our reality and teachers take it, mental health workers, coaches, but anyone takes it even to help start noticing their own trauma, help their kids. I definitely recommend jumping into that. And then there's a free introduction training to root cause therapy or trauma informed manifesting as well. So just kind of look at that free courses page, have a feel of what you feel drawn to and just start there. Oh my gosh, that sounds so good. Thank you for for offering so many free things. I mean, that's just a gift for people. I'm going to go check that out myself and I'll put the links in the show notes for people to find that easily. Melissa, you you have a beautiful five-year-old little boy. How are you parenting your son now knowing everything that you've learned so far? Look, it's hard, Dawn. I've got to say it's not easy. (laughs) You have this whole extra level of awareness from helping people heal all their childhood trauma that I have to make sure that I'm not helicopter parenting or trying to protect him too much. So it's really a fine balance of helping him to be able to handle and process his emotions and hold a safe space for him when things aren't going his way or when some bad things happen and allowing bad things to happen, not bad, bad things, but I mean like he's hurt himself or like his friend cancelled or like little toddler things that they have breakdowns about of me not trying to fix him and make him okay quickly, letting him feel his emotions. So then for me, sometimes that's triggering for me because all of a sudden it's rustling up stuff for me. I mean, like I said to you, no one was there for me emotionally. So I've had to learn 
how to be a completely different parent and be able to hold space for someone to having a complete meltdown and me just completely loving them and wanting them to be okay. I'm scared to send him to school next year just because of all my bullying and, and I own that and I understand that. But at the same time, I still need to send him there. And, and me and my partner, we're both kind of trauma-informed. We're both conscious parents, but they're still slightly different opinion and there's a masculine and feminine energy. But what we make sure is through all of this mess is that he's got at least one person that's safe. So if my partner's cracked it, if I've cracked it, if something's happened, he knows that one of us will just be there to be his safety anchor and he's going to be okay. That's kind of like, but even from when he was in my womb, because I had so many clients go back to in the womb when I was feeling an emotion, like I was like, this is not about you. Cause I know they can like hear our thoughts in the womb. They're getting ready for the environment that they're coming out into. So literally dawn from when I was three months pregnant, it's been a whole thing. <laughs> it's so intense and hard, but I'm so grateful. And he completely changed our lives and he triggers me in positive ways in terms of I can meet parts of me that wouldn't have been exposed if he didn't trigger me. So yeah, it's not the easiest way to parent, but I could not do it any other way knowing what I know. Oh, absolutely. And what a lucky little boy he is to have <laughs> you as his mama. I just think having a parent, like we're not perfect. We're not. And no. but having a parent that's aware and is conscious and is just trying the hardest to do it right. That's the best that any of us can do. We can't do any better than that. Thank you that's so fair. much for today, for sharing your story. I mean, it really highlights to me how heavy the impact of divorce and step parents yeah. and living in unsafe environments and abuse, it affects so many kids in the world. And there are literally millions of kids who are surviving in these exact situations every day. And it's just sharing these stories that we can start to educate parents about living more consciously, about choosing partners and the impacts oh, that it has. Huge. It's just, it is huge. But I don't think most people are thinking about that, are they? They're thinking no. about getting somebody to love them, getting to yeah. have the next relationship. It's all so important. So thank you so much for sharing your story. I think you're incredible. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Dawn. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at My Big Love Project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.